0: Oh, 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 scared the pants off me.
1: Oh, God. Underpants <laughs> and everything. <laughs> Woo! Out the window. <laughs> Welcome. To X-Rated. Or. hex rated Boo! These. Ah! Uh, I'm 50% of your hosting team, Matt Fisher. I am 50% of your hosting team, Ryan Whedon, Maybe we as well. Maybe we
0: hosting scream. Ah! ah! This is terrible.
1: Uh, the
0: terrifying. ghosting scream. <laughs> Let's well, keep doing it so people won't recognize what we're punning anymore. Hex <laughs> rated boo ghosting scream? I know those words, but that sign makes no sense. How's it going? So, alright, how
1: are you? I'm happy. And, uh. Happy. Ready are to. Are you truly happy? <laughs>
0: Is anyone truly happy?
1: Yeah i I ask myself that in the mirror every morning, (laughs) and have a. And then you say yes, and you (laughs) tip your cap, and you walk out. Have a good day, Gavna. Say hello to the birds and the washerwoman as I walk out. You're literally like your morning is the same as Mary Poppins, (laughs) pretty much. I like land, one lands on my finger, I whistle a tune <laughs> at it, it whistles back and then flutters away to its family. And then you
0: go and sweep chimneys with Dick Van Dyke. Mm-hmm. So we were on it. We were guests on a podcast.: Yeah, uh, we're, We talked about a movie that people have actually seen. The Shining.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: yeah, we were guests on the Deadbeat Film Society podcast. Yeah.
1: The episode is either already come out or coming out shortly. Yes. I'm not sure about production schedule.
0: Yeah, they record theirs before ours. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but it was a lot of fun. Kevin and Emily were gracious enough to host us. and uh,
1: Emily makes a mean cup of coffee. Yeah, it
0: woke me right up.
1: Maybe it's just like because we live in Seattle, but I am a little bit of a coffee snob. Sure. And uh, I was bracing myself for not great coffee, but no. It was. She brought it. Yeah, she wise. brought she brought her coffee game. Yeah. Um, but it was fun. And uh, we're, we're, we're in the talks of maybe having them on our podcast. Yes. So stay tuned for that. Yeah. That's something new that yeah. happened. So how many streaming
0: services do you subscribe to?
1: Well, let's see. Sort of Netflix because Tim, my partner, has it. I go on his account, so we kind of share that one. I do subscribe to Hulu. Okay. Mainly so I can watch Bob's Burgers and Rick and Morty. Okay. I was subscribed to Fandor for a little while. What do they provide? It's like really deep, arty art films. That's how I was able to watch Cowards Bend the Knee when we did that. But that's about it. Okay. I, I've been thinking about joining Filmstruck, though, because I do like mm. a lot of Criterion films. We're living in the age where, where everyone's always wanted the cable companies to be like, where it's like, yeah, I, offer I, it all a la carte.
0: Yeah, I remember like when I first moved out of my parents' place back in 2003, and I was like, I want Comedy Central, and I want the Discovery Channel, and I want Animal Planet, and that's it. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't want any of the other channels. And we're kind of like, we're gravitating towards that, but... At the same time, Netflix just raised its rates.
1: I know, I saw that. And
0: that's currently the only thing that I subscribe to. Plays. They
1: are really kind of knocking it out of the park original content-wise, these days. But, like,
0: Hulu with, like, Handmaiden's Tale, and they have Rick and Morty and Bob's mm-hmm. Burgers, and those are... Adventure Time. Those are things that are not on Netflix. Indeed. I'm
1: like, I
0: don't want to get a second string service.
1: <laughs> I bit the bullet... It's, it's $7, $7 or $8 a month. Okay. Um, great programming. Uh, lots of movies. Today's movie I watched on there, too. Oh, okay. This is not a paid advertisement. However, uh, Hulu advertising people, if you do want to reach out to us, I'm happy to promote your product.
0: I was going to say, it's a, it's a cheap 50 bucks.
1: <laughs> I would love to see a Scarecrow-style channel.
0: I would love to see that. Can you imagine them being uh, in
1: charge of programming something?
0: I mean, I guess they would just have anything
1: in their store available to watch. No, no well, I'm thinking more like it's curated, like you know how like there's like a an employee picks. Uh, you know, one month an employee gets to pick everything that's streaming on their site for that month, and then the next month it's a different one.
0: Boy, we already have problems with people who've never seeing our movies. <laughs> I can't even imagine the movies that they'd pick.
1: Yeah, this would have to be subsidized by the city of Seattle or something. Yeah, because right like
0: I, I feel like we pick mainstream things, and then I talk to to people IRL, and they're like, "Oh yeah, I've never seen any of these or heard any of them." Blah blah blah. I'm like, "Oh wow, I'm really not." <laughs> On that, that wavelength. But then, yeah, you go to Scarecrow and it's going to be, like, there on, like, a different planet in a different wavelength.
1: Yeah. Like, but I would subscribe in a second to oh, that, yeah. to that oh. service. <laughs>
0: I go every Wednesday. I shuck out nine bucks to, to, to rent a handful of movies. No,
1: you're much better about
0: that than I am. What did you watch this week? I watched the new Netflix movie Gerald's Game. <gasps> that was the thing I was going to talk about. Oh, really? <laughs> what did you think? I thought it was really great. I thought it was great. Yeah. Uh, I hear conflicting things about the ending, though. Including former guest and friend of the cast, Bettina. Oh. I follow her on Letterboxd, and I read her review of it. Okay. And she said that the movie fumbled the ending.
1: Oh. Uh, Someone
0: else I follow on Letterboxd said that the movie followed the ending too closely. Oh. And that, that that sort of ruined it, that... They couldn't get away from Stephen King's text.
1: Interesting. So, so yeah,
0: I'm hearing conflicting things because I did not like the ending, but like the preceding 90 minutes I thought were awesome.
1: I think what was really cool about it was that it used gore really well. Oh, yeah. Because there's that one scene that is awful. Oh, my God. So cringeworthy to watch, and it's the only one. Yeah. And it's really nice and super effective.
0: Yeah. Oh, like I didn't see it coming, I didn't know how it ended. And so, Ugh. when it's sort of leading up to it, then the it's like, yeah, when there's like the flashback and she like breaks the glass, I'm like, what is this leading to? And it was like, said, so like, you know, before blood coagulates, it's slicker than oil. Mm. I'm like, I don't like where this is going. <laughs> uh, and then we get the ending, and it's just, it's so well done. Like, it doesn't linger on it, it shows you just enough that you're like, I was wincing yeah. the whole time. Yeah, it was rough. Um, what I was kind of surprised about, and I, I think this lends uh, a lot of credence to how Stephen King writes and how he really knows like his way around like the human mind, mm-hmm. was that this follows a lot of the same arc of 127 Hours. Oh yeah, but like 127 Hours was based on a true story, and this was just out of King's imagination. And the fact that there's, like, these similarities as to, like, how the plot progresses and how it climaxes. Yeah. I was like, wow, good on King for, like, actually being able to, like, read the human condition.
1: Yeah. Did you ever read his book on writing? No, but I heard it's great. I did read it um, once when I fancied myself a writer. And the very first paragraph, basically, is, like, what do I think is writing? I think writing is telepathy. And so he's like, he basically says, like, right now, as I'm typing these words, I'm sitting in an attic in Maine. And then he kind of describes his space. And then he's like, I'm not speaking these thoughts out loud, but you're reading them and understanding what I'm saying. Yeah. And so it's like, if you have that kind of grasp on what your craft is, you've probably got a pretty good grasp on just, like, human behavior in general. Because you're able to step outside it far enough to to kind of look at it in a way uh, as an omnipotent Narrator, in a way. Yeah. Uh,
0: It was directed by Mike Flanagan, who did movies I've talked about previously, Mm -hmm. like Oculus
1: and Hush. Is he just, like, employed by Netflix at this point? Because those (laughs) other ones were Netflix originals, too, weren't they? Oculus wasn't that I know of.
0: Hush was, I think, though. Okay. That's what initially drew me, was that Mike Flanagan's
1: name was attached to it. Having seen all the Stephen King movies, or a large portion thereof, do you have a, um, where it might in between? i put it in my top ten. Ooh. So
0: out of like the 30-ish Stephen King movies I've seen...
1: uh, Can you say the one that's right above and right below?
0: uh, It doesn't have to stay that way. I'm going to say the one right above it is probably Dolores Claiborne, which has a lot in common with this one. I was going to
1: say, the double um, Solar Eclipse movie. Yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, And
0: probably the one right below it is Carrie, because I actually don't like Carrie as much as some people do. Oh, interesting. Uh, I mean, I still think it's a fine film, but a lot of people think it's you know, one of the
1: greatest films. Yeah. One of the hardest to watch locker room scenes. <laughs> because. like get <Fist-legged> as- Women. <laughs> yeah. Scariest women's locker room scene I've ever seen is in the movie that we're going to talk about today. Porkies? No, silly. It's Teen Witch. But they're talking about how much they like boys. Yeah, but if you're a, you're a gay girl in that context, that's a really horrific scene.
0: I'm pretty sure this took place in a world without lesbians. <laughs> I mean, this movie takes place... Somewhere in, in, in like a mix of heathers and blossom. <laughs> this is where you cue Joy Lawrence going, Whoa!
1: <laughs> yeah, I thought about that today. How um, this is sort of like the anti-heathers, <laughs> in that the argument is, It's awesome being popular. <laughs> yeah, do whatever it takes. Yeah. <laughs> There's no negative repercussions whatsoever. Man, high school's great once you're at the top.
0: Yeah. And if this movie taught me anything, getting to the top is basically just changing what you wear. <laughs> so this movie starts out gloriously with a very sax-heavy pop song. <laughs> Loving it. Uh, Loving it. I mean, the video, it's like a Bonnie Tyler video with some sort of Madonna into the group rip-off type song. Yeah. It's a... Uh, oh, shit. What is it called? Uh, Never Gonna Be the Same? Yeah,
1: something like that. Which... Oh this is a, I just really, Same
0: again. yes,
1: I just want to say that this is a great example of um, the improper use of uh, de-essers, I'm going to get a little audio geeky here on you here, suckers? <laughs> no, de-esser, D like, eliminate yes, oh. the sound of the oh. Oh. and so it sounded like, she either had a lisp or it was a, the improper use of the de-esser, because it, uh, it sounded like she was talking like this. Nothing makes me more upset than an improper DS. <laughs>
0: just. Just, I just softballed that <laughs> one over
1: to you, didn't I? <laughs> oh, boy.
0: So this movie stars Dick Sargent <laughs> of Bewitched fame and Marsha Wallace uh, of The Simpsons, Simpsons. and uh, a few older fans out there the Bob Newhart show.
1: hmm Love to see her.
0: I mean, she got pretty high billing for not having that big of a role in the movie. Yeah, but she's just... I mean, know. so did Dick Sargent, She too, really,
1: but... whenever she was in there, just elevated it, I felt. <laughs> I got real excited anytime time Marsha Wallace was on screen. Ha! <laughs> so, alright, back to the beginning real quick.
0: <laughs> it This is just a fantasy thing, right? It's like, a dream, yeah, a dream okay. sequence.
1: It starts in a dream sequence. Because
0: it's, it's Louise, and then Brad. Oh, Brad. Uh, Brad, who is... I mean, hot, like, don't get me wrong, he's, he's smoking. He's also my age.
1: <laughs> he's also, like, a lower, lower rent Tom Cruise. Like, they're like, mm. who's, who's the guy we get if we don't get Tom Cruise? Okay, give me the guy we can't get if we can't get that guy. That's sort of uh, who, who we're aiming at here. He was ripped.
0: They show sure. him he's throwing footballs in that one scene. Yeah. Which, can we bring back the male crop top? And yeah, why
1: isn't that a thing anymore? He, he's wearing shorts and... Uh, Pretty uh, short shorts. Not as short as I would like, but short enough.
0: And well, then he's got the football, football jersey, yeah. but it's like crop top, sort of like in a... Is it Kevin from Daria? Yeah. Darwin's the monkey guy, right? I like monkeys. It's that sort of thing. Like, and then he takes off his shirt because, you know, to throwing work football <laughs> makes you sweaty. Yeah. Uh, and then he does sit-ups shirtless. Yeah, he's just working out on that football field. And it, it, it beg the question, was this movie made for teenage girls or fully adult gay men?
1: <laughs> Both, I would argue. <laughs> Actually, no. I would argue more for the fully gay men because my biggest problem with this movie is I'm not really sure if the producers knew what a teen girl was like. <laughs> but they really? knew what a witch was like. <laughs> I kind of missed the mark on both the uh, the words in <laughs> the, <and> the title
0: here. <laughs> well, uh, when she first like discovers her powers and she's like, "I wish X Y Z or something," I'm like, "So she's a genie." <laughs> My witch genie folklore knowledge only really comes from "I Dream of Genie" and "Bewitched," <laughs> but it seemed like she was more in the "I Dream of Genie" catalog. Yeah, she just wiggle her
1: nose and uh, make it happen. That's Bewitched. Damn. Uh, She can just cross her arms and and nod her head and make it happen. Yeah, This is more of a um, hands-on, potion-style witch. She has to um, really get her hands dirty and mix those things together and make the dolls, etc. Although, I don't know, because there's times she just holds onto the amulet and closes her eyes, and I don't want to jump immediately into top that, but that's how Polly gets her powers.
0: So when you brought up this movie last week, I kept thinking, I was like... Something in my wheelhouse references Teen Witch, but Mm -hmm. I couldn't place it. And when I got to the top that scene, I realized where it came from. There's an episode of 30 Rock, where Kenneth has to keep the audience entertained for a little bit, and he does the rap. Supersonic,
1: idiotic, disconnected, not respected. Who would ever really want to go and top that? Top that! Thank you. That was the rap song, Top That, from the movie Teen Witch. Once again, I apologize that our regular warm-up comic OD'd at a gay man's apartment this morning. Kenneth would watch Teen <laughs> It's weird how
0: there's like three segments in this that make you think it's a musical.
1: <laughs> and that's it? And
0: that's it? Yeah. Because there's the the top that rap battle. Uh, there's the opening dream
1: sequence. And right. or, or then there's the I Like Boys.
0: Yeah, which is like full song and dance.
1: Yeah. And then there's the... but
0: no one's singing in that. You hear someone <laughs> singing, but no characters' lips are moving.
1: Well, but that's because she pushed play on the her boombox, and that was what oh, was playing. God, remember those days
0: when you walk around with a boombox on your shoulder? I'm yeah. sure you did that. Oh
1: well, not gonna lie.
0: <laughs> I imagine you as a Paul Abdul man. <laughs>
1: well, yeah, that was my first concert. Was it really? Mm-hmm. My parents paid for it. Spellbound tour. I'll give you twenty bucks if you can guess who opened. Uh, Debbie, what's her face? No, but not a bad guess. Uh, Color me bad. Really? Yeah. Did you chop that? No, but they did do. I want to sex you up. And I was twelve, so awkward with my parents. Um. Anyway, (laughs) did we talk? Do we? Do we even say what the basic premise of this movie is?
0: The title says it all. Yeah,
1: she's a, she's a teen witch. She, yeah, so... she turns 16. Zelda Rubinstein tells her you're going to be a witch on your 16th birthday, which is in a week, and you're going to start getting powers. This is all, you know, a metaphor for your period, basically.
0: There's a part that I really like, because she keeps frequenting Zelda Rubinstein, who's like a witch herself. She's posing as a psychic.
1: Right. Not a deep undercover witch here. Yeah. <laughs>
0: I think it's the second trip to Zelda Rubenstein's place. And she's like, what's happening? What's going on? And like shows her the amulet. And Zelda Rubenstein goes, There comes a time in every witch's life that she must see this. You won't believe it. (laughs) She like pulls out a book of like old witches. And she's like, there's you with the amulet. And there's me. It's like, there comes a point in every witch's life Shortly after they become a witch, usually within 24 to 48 hours, where they see a book with them in the exact same age that they are now in
1: the book. Witchcraft is amazing. (laughs) And uh, yeah, she gets that amulet because Marsha Wallace finds it for her, Ms. Malloy, in the costume shop. So, by the way, she becomes the assistant costume person because there's this weird theater audition where she has to sit on brad's lap and pretends to be a witch what
0: must i do sit in your lap
1: in my lap of armor i have ways of removing armor and then uh the decision is immediately made that like actually no you're the costume mistress and we will be the assistant costume mistress i don't understand this fun, this audition process well i thought she was going to be the understudy.
0: She was auditioning to be the understudy? No, that's the part that she got was the understudy. Oh. Because then what's-her-face trips over that ladder right. by happenstance, and doesn't Louise have to take her place?
1: Yeah, I assume that came from the popularity still. Oh, okay.
0: Yeah. Which we'll get to later. She got
1: promoted to understudy at that point.
0: Before we get too far into this, maybe it's because in high school, I didn't grow into my weight until after high school. Mm-hmm. So I was a little bit pudgy as a kid. Okay. Especially like ages... Twelve to fifteen. Okay. So I'm I'm a little sensitive to when they show know, teenage boys with chocolate all over their face, just casually, as like the obnoxious... drooling
1: over cake as the candles slowly melt on it.
0: The, so the, the the younger brother who were introduced to without food nearby in her room, snooping around, face covered in chocolate. Like, really, it's, like, not enough that he's obnoxious. You have to, like, add in that he eats so ravenously and haphazardly that he can't even wipe his own face.
1: Well, later, she sees him cooking in the kitchen, and he's making, I think, a pizza. And then she accidentally turns him into a dog, and there's just a bath drawn. Yeah. Like, I think he knew how messy he was going to be while making this and was like, I'm going to have to take a bath after this. I like how she puts him in the
0: bath. For no reason. Like, she turns him into a dog. She's like, hide in here and, like, dunks him under water. How did she know that was there? Yeah, how did she know that was there? And how did she not think that this might drown him? Louise, we gotta do something. We gotta, do something. we gotta do something. What are you saying, gonna you got do? An idea. A bath? This is your great yeah, you don't wanna go to the pound, do you? Let me go. They kill dogs at the pound. <laughs> what are you doing? And I definitely uh, promise to fix on? this just as soon Let as my friend gets back. I hate that water. No, no.
1: Also... How do you explain the fact that your little brother's soaking wet in his clothes to their parents who just came home? See, I thought there was the fact that I watched this movie too
0: stoned, that I was digging into this endless minutia. I'm glad that even on sober retrospect, (laughs) we look at it and questions arise. Doesn't hold
1: up. Doesn't hold up at all.
0: (laughs) Under deep analysis, this movie clearly (laughs) does not hold up. They really have sort of a binary view of high schoolers at this point. Like, you're either... Popular or you're a nerd.
1: Yeah, and apparently there's some, like some objective rating system at this high school for who's the most popular because there's actually one point when Brad asks Louise. So it's tough being the most popular girl, huh? And so like I'm picturing just like a picture inside their entrance that's like most popular today. Seems there's odd. Was a Gallup poll going yeah. through the school?
0: <laughs> Maybe they send out you know like Trump does his own polling. They send it out to to. His voters every time and you know comes back 95 96 percent approval yeah. every time. It's
1: basically what Louise is doing here. She's manipulating <laughs> the numbers to be in her favor.
0: So there's Ms. Malloy, who's sort of like her ally. She yeah. gets along well with She's the kookie drama teacher or something. Not Just... really that kooky. She could ratchet up on the kooky ometer. Okay. Uh and then there's the dick English teacher. Mr. Weaver. What
1: is that classroom set, by the way, real that, fast?
0: That's what I was going for. Like no blackboard. It's like, it's on a stage. It looks like they they took the drama class and just put like a library behind it. And
1: there's like, but there's like weird black stuff above the bookcases and behind him. I mean,
0: it looks like a curtain's about to be drawn. Yeah. Or those bookcases are just going to lift up into... Like, he, he has a desk, but it's not like a teacher's desk. It's like a dinner table desk. Yeah. And then there's a bunch of books behind it. It's the
1: most bizarre classroom. <laughs> yeah, I, I really was like... Struggling to figure that one out, <laughs> but he's abusive. He's terrible. I don't think his punishment was suitable. It wasn't enough to just watch him take off his clothes and then walk through the, the car wash. Car wash. It was cruel. <laughs> yeah. When her purse spills, he pulls out his her birth control and is like, uh, "Birth control. Man. All in their place. Just thinking about it, anyway. She's like Jesus, she's fifteen. <laughs> uh, yeah, because he also says like, "And what will you do if I don't stop?" To my mommy <laughs> yeah, he's, he's a dick and uh, he deserved worse than what he got
0: there's a there's a point where and we're still just like near the beginning of this movie yeah, a Whatever. Go ahead. I mean the the nerd guy the nerd date who I actually thought like if he wasn't an obnoxious creeper could have been okay looking
1: I yeah I wrote down that he was cute too yeah, I mean he was Until he started yeah, until he started being gross.
0: I can drive through a fog like a hog with a heart on. <laughs> what's, what's that movie with Freddie Prince Jr. where he take he has to take the ugly girl? Is it she's all She's that, all that? Where it's like he's a, an attractive person. They just put glasses on him and give him stupid hair. And I'm like there's gotta be it wasn't hundreds. <laughs> of unattractive actors out there, yeah.
1: desperate for work. So early on when Louise gets confronted by the Latin Club, the like head nerd of that group, Oh yeah. and I'm sure he auditioned for the part of other guys, sure. um, but didn't get it, but they're like, we've got a different part for you. But even he, I was like, eh, he's kind of cute. Yeah. I thought it was funny at the dance. She insults him by saying,
0: Oh, where'd you get the haircut? Mm-hmm. Dr. Demento.
1: Geez, I didn't think I looked that bad. I didn't realize that was such a put-down. By the way, so she makes him disappear with her powers while he's driving.
0: Mm-hmm. And she has to pull
1: over. But then, like, later she's talking to Brad about it. And she just says... I
0: told him to get lost and he
1: disappeared. He's still missing. He never reappears. <laughs> she makes him disappear forever. I, th-
0: I think it would been great if there was, like... Milk cartons later that had like his picture. Yeah, on <laughs> yeah, this is like no a... one talks about it, but there's like you know, missing posters around that like no one can find him, and she's just oblivious to
1: it all. Something tells me that producers, writers, directors, everyone involved in this movie wasn't thinking that hard about it. So,
0: after What's that, English teacher like berates her mm-hmm. and she runs off to like the bathroom and like is crying in the stall. Okay,
1: I vaguely remember this part.
0: I just remember, like, her sort of... Let's see. What's that girl from Blossom? Seven? Oh was right. Uh, her Seven friend. <laughs>
1: Polly. Comes looking for her. That's right. Okay, I remember.
0: And I just remember she, she walks into the bathroom and immediately, like, finds the stall that she's in and, like, opens it. I'm like, she didn't even have to look underneath for the feet. <laughs> I was like, that, that means this has happened before. She regularly comes and cries in this stall, and Seven knows exactly where to find her. Poor Louise. By the way,
1: so... Clearly, Polly is Louise's friend. Like, Mm -hmm. they've been friends for a long time, it seems like, and they're both kind of, like, lower class in the high school spectrum. But once Louise decides she wants to be popular so she can get Brad, their friendship breaks, and then it never comes back. Like real life. (laughs) It's like a snake
0: shedding its unpopular skin. (laughs)
1: It's just so strange to me that the main character that we're rooting for this whole time gets rid of her friend who's been her friend the whole time and that's okay. So there's a popular montage
0: It's like right when she becomes popular. Right. And there's like... I'm gonna you know, be the
1: most popular girl.
0: Yeah. Uh, and it shows that like Louise sits next to her friend at the lunch table. Right. But then all the popular girls come and like push her off. and
1: Right. She falls right off the bench. And
0: so I, I think it's not that she like willfully ignored her, I think that she'd just become, you know, drunk with power, and didn't
1: realize her actions. We'll come back to that when we get to the very last scene, but there's still some things in the middle here we need to talk about. We haven't even really dug into the I Like Boys. Let's, let's take a moment and talk about the locker room montage musical scene, I Like Boys. Hey cheerleaders, I got the new
0: cheer. So fab! It really enforces reinforces gender stereotypes. <laughs> because like the lyrics are like, I'm gonna like give up my mud pies and dirt and mm-hmm. like put on this mini skirt. Mm-hmm. And it basically said like you can't be dirty or rough or sporty and get boys. So you know, a lesson that I take to heart. <laughs>
1: It was difficult to enjoy it on a camp level. As soon as it started, I was like, yay! Oh. Oh, no. This got really dark really fast. <laughs> well, I mean, it's weird because it's it's sort of out of nowhere. Like, they're in the locker room. She just comes and she's like, hey, cheerleaders, here's the new cheer. It's Fab. Pushes play. And then it's like, oh, I guess this is a musical. Um, yeah. For a moment. Yeah. hot second. And it was like a full-on... Not quite Busby Berkeley, but like there's just—I mean, it's choreographed. It's huge. It's like a big scene. Synchronized
0: dancing, yeah.
1: Funny towel work, yeah. Just through the girls' locker room. It's funny because they—they throughout it they keep cutting back to Louise just kind of looking around. Yeah, she's the only one not dancing. (laughs) What the fuck? Kind of a long cheer, I'm going to be honest. And also, they can't do any of that choreography out on the field.
0: Right. They really
1: use the showers. And, and the
0: benches and the lockers. Yeah, none of
1: that's out there on the field. So I don't know if that's really going to work as the new cheer. And I would argue, you know, that this is what makes this a horror movie. <laughs> is If you were a gay character and this was happening to you, all around you, it would be a nightmare to be in that locker room. I disagree.
0: I'd be singing and dancing right along with them.
1: <laughs> What are you doing in the girls' locker room?
0: Well, they won't allow me in the men's room. I keep getting erections.
1: <laughs> you have to change in the P.E. teacher's office.
0: Until <laughs> so you get your erections under control,
1: <laughs> mister. You're my problem kid this semester, Fisher. That's the, like, pointed his eyes, point at you. Sorry, sir. <laughs>
0: I'll try and keep my daytime emissions to myself.
1: <laughs> Until then, I'm gonna spank you and tell you. Every time you get one. <gasps> yes, sir. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> it's happening again. <laughs> <laughs> let me. Let me just head over here and grab my paddle. No, not the bad boy paddle. You've earned it. Now take <laughs> off your <jock> strap. <laughs> <laughs> what were we talking about? This so is Zelda uh, Rubenstein. I was gonna use this as a segue into the sex ed moment on the movie. It's <laughs> yeah. called a condom. 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 Condom.
0: Condom. Condom. Condom, 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 condom. 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 <laughs> uh at least they do like, you know, preach prophylactic. That's true, use yeah. And this period in time,
1: <laughs> our 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 rapper, the top that rapper. Um, has a, a little rap about. Because um... it's a metaphor for condoms, top that. Oh, yeah. yeah. Maybe that's what he's been thinking about ever since that when he, he does the rap about all the dicks. A Roger, a loved one, <laughs> joystick, dong, Zippa yeah. Lizard, tally whack, and yeah. trouser snake schlong. He's just working out issues that were brought up in that class. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, Zelda Rubinstein. So she shows up. Zelda
0: Rubenstein is the one that reveals that she's going to be a witch when she turns 16. Mm-hmm. And maybe it's just watching Miyazaki's Kiki's Delivery Service that I thought naturally she'll use her powers for good. But no, she like immediately starts thinking about how she can use these powers for personal gain. She's kind of one-track mind, really. It's all about Brad. The only high schooler that
1: looks like a 30-year-old man. So, you know, right in my wheelhouse. So, she's not okay with casting a love spell on him, even though Zelda Rubenstein's like,
0: Louise, darling, what's the difference?
1: And she's like, no, I want it to be for me. So, she casts this popularity spell, which is like just a different form of deception. Isn't Uh. she still deceiving Brad? (laughs)
0: By casting this spell? We're going to get in deep to the popularity spell later, because I have so many questions about it. (laughs) But first, she's given the instructions on how to do this love spell. Right. Question to you, in round one of Who Wants to Be a Teen Witch? You just turned 16. Who do you
1: cast a love spell on? It's tough. There were a lot of people I was into when I was sixteen. Yeah. Secretly. Sure. Um, so, on the, you know, if if one of the options is Shirley Manson, and I was still in the closet, I would choose her. But I'm not going to. I'm not. I'm not that's not my final answer. Okay. Um, would you like to do fifty-fifty? Real people, celebrities celebrities. Okay, so real people are out. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, That leaves Ewan McGregor and... Chris O'Donnell. Okay. Your crush on Ewan McGregor dates back to them? Yeah. Okay. That's fine. train spotting. Well, that was 97. So actually, no, that can't be possible. I have to go with Chris O'Donnell. (laughs) That's gotta be my final answer. You... Are on your way to being a Teen Witch. (laughs) (laughs) Watch it on TV, and you don't think like, oh, that first question's easy; just answer it. But like, when you're in the spot, it's tough.
0: Yeah. So yeah, that's like the first one that she she tries but fails.
1: Yeah, she can't do it. She goes back to Zelda and is like, well, how can I make this work without casting a spell on him? And yeah, so she casts the popularity spell. By stealing the vibe of a famous singer?
0: Yeah, so she needs to spin around at 45 RPMs while like holding a personal item of this singer who I'd never heard of before. I, I don't know if they were just a fabrication for the movie. Dana? Shauna. Either way, Louise will never be the same again.
1: again. No, and um, I would argue for the worst... <laughs> But this movie definitely argues for the better.
0: The idea is that she casts this popularity spell and sort of assumes the allure and magnetism
1: of this singer-pop star. Right. And real fast, the sax player in her band is amazing. He has a mullet and a wife beater and is just going to town. And a mustache. Anyway,
0: go ahead. But when they go to the concert to get Shauna's jacket, they don't even know each other. Shauna gives Louise this jacket, and it's like, I gotta go. They're taping this. <laughs> I thought about that too. I like, really, they're taping this, and you stepped aside mid-song to talk to someone at length off stage.
1: It's gonna be a real booger with uh, continuity issues on this filming, whatever they're filming. I mean, hopefully she... they got some shots of that mullet sax player. They can just like <laughs> cut to. But
0: turnaround time is 24 hours on this spell as she casts it, and she goes to school the next day, and the popular girl and Brad, like, stop by to pick her up.
1: Yeah.
0: Leaving behind Seven, I don't know, her friend. Polly.
1: Polly. It's a real twist in the third act of this movie, I gotta say. Uh, Which makes me think
0: that, like, deep down in, like, the heart of every unpopular teenage girl is there just... A popular teen girl, ready and willing to leave their friends behind. <laughs> Just a cutthroat, <laughs> bloodthirsty. I mean, it's not even like, oh, I would leave my friends behind, but I'm actually deriving pleasure in leaving them behind. Yeah, she does
1: not care about Polly.
0: No. So, all right, here's my question. The premise is she casts the spell, and suddenly she's popular. Right. And that this is somehow morally superior to the love spell. Mm -hmm. Being popular will get Brad to like her. Essentially, she didn't have to change her personality. People's perception just changed. Or being popular is all about clothes. Because that's, like, did this spell put new clothes in her wardrobe? Or did it change her perception towards coordination? (laughs) Right, because... Like, did she go out and buy new clothes with this new sense of, like, what looks good
1: together? That's a good question.
0: Or was it that she had these clothes the whole time and she just didn't have the sense to put them together? And why
1: don't her parents ever question where is she getting these new clothes, if they are indeed new. If they are indeed new clothes. Mm -hmm. And
0: her parents looked a little well-to-do. She probably had a credit card or something. Mm Mm-hmm. And then if this was, in fact, morally superior, that it wasn't actually forcing other people's perceptions to change, does that mean that popularity is just all about clothes?
1: Maybe. That means that Brad and popular girl across the street stopped to pick Louise up because they saw what she was wearing and were like, you're cool now. Yeah. Jump in the car. So that, that's what I mean. Like, if,
0: if she was morally opposed to casting a spell on Brad to make him fall in love with her, then that would mean that the popularity spell couldn't do that again. Otherwise, she'd still have the same moral objection. Mm-hmm. And so that means that something else must have changed that didn't force his perception. So either her personality changed to make her more funny and affable and popular. Mm-hmm. You know, people want to be around her. It put new clothes in her wardrobe. That made her her suddenly more popular. Mm-hmm. Or it just erased the memory that she was a bitchy skank before. <laughs> and suddenly people just saw her in a new light for the first time.
1: Yeah. And I have to question whether or not this popularity spell affects Brad or not. Does it affect everyone around her and not Brad? So she's like, I need this because I want him to be untainted. And if it does doesn't that kind of make Brad shallow in that like, all he wants to do is date the most popular girl?
0: Oh, yeah. Like,
1: she's... Which this is, is a dangerous game she's
0: playing. Which, you know, in theory she'd be fine with because if she was popular and that alone changed it, there was no forcing of, of his perception change. Right. That would mean that the only thing that he was really attracted to was how popular she was. Right. Which makes her Ex- just as shallow as
1: Brad. <laughs> But she's still changing his perception because she to him, she is the most popular girl. Right. So she has to, she has to be affecting his perception. Why is she the most popular? Oh, is it because everybody else sees her as awesome? Oh. Or is it because he is under the spell and sees her as awesome? But yeah. Or I mean, is it, it her clothes? It's never made
0: it's never made clear if people's perception change or if she changes and, it be, and she becomes popular,
1: but then at the prom, that's when she decides to give up her powers just so she can be with Brad. so she slides her amulet over to Zelda Rubinstein, who is inexplicably at the prom and
0: Chaperon uh, every dance
1: I guess she's like at that point she's given up her powers, never has a reconciliation with Polly, but then like gets Brad, but so it's like. Just because you gave up the powers then, does that dispel the popularity spell? Because it doesn't seem like everyone's given her dirty looks at that point. Mm. And also, her outfit still stays the same, so we know that the popularity spell didn't change her outfit.
0: Mm. It would have been good if it was like a Romeo and Michelle's high school reunion where it was like, she's dancing, even though like everyone's caught on to their bullshit, but they've stopped caring. Yeah, Like, like that would have been good. Like the popularity is felt worn off, but Brad likes her anyway.
1: Or like, even if, like, she had done that and then, like, her clothes changed and everyone started hating her and she ran out, but then he came out and was yeah. like, hey, that was a really brave thing he did there. Of course, that would mean having to acknowledge the fact that everyone knew she was a witch, <laughs> which no one seems to acknowledge in this movie. Not even Polly, who's like... Suddenly has rap skills out of nowhere like they don't even talk about the top that scene what's this? Stop that I will make a fool of you top that <laughs> she just like gets back on her bike and she's like, top, top that. that let's go and then the, nothing is ever discussed again like they just dance weird later. I because mean, when you program. do something that cool,
0: the coolest thing you can do afterwards is not talk about it. All right, question two. If you were to cast a popularity spell, whose mojo would you steal? Jeez. Do I have, do I have options? Shirley Manson. Okay. David Bowie Okay Trent Reznor Mm.
1: And Chris O'Donnell Oof Definitely my teen years here Um You can ask the audience if you I like think, <laughs> I think I'm gonna try Phone here okay. <laughs>
0: Your call cannot be completed as
1: dialed. Please check the number and dial again. Well, looks like I can't call a friend. Uh, let's go with... David Bowie?
0: I'll accept it. Do you really think David Bowie would get get you late in high school? Actually yeah You already there were, got the look so. I
1: already looked like him There were a lot of people In high school Who wanted to uh, Bone me Because I look like David Bowie. Really?
0: Male or female? Mostly female So wait It was mostly female What's that like 2% male? The like One out kid Definitely the gym teacher <laughs> He had a paddle That said
1: Ashes to ashes on it <laughs> Called the uh, major That's mom. modern love I forgot where we were going. Oh, so <laughs> just we got, we can't breeze over the fact that there's like a sexy scene in an abandoned house. Brad takes her to a weird abandoned house. She takes off her shoes and walks on the decrepit carpet. He leads her upstairs, they lay down and there's an extended makeout moment.
0: It it extended is the key <laughs> word. <laughs> Cuz I, I I was watching it and I'm like is it over yet? <laughs> like, it just kept going.
1: And I'm kind of okay with that in the fact that it's like, this this movie brushes up upon, like, sexuality. Um, and so it's sort of like, this is what it's like to make out for a long period of time for girls to look at that and see that. So, like, I'm kind of okay with it. Ugh, does it make me uncomfortable now? Absolutely. It was just, it was almost like, I'm not sure if there was music playing, but you definitely just hear just Lick, smacking, were like five inches away from their faces.
0: It was like me when I eat guacamole. <laughs> it's just a real uncomfortable moment. And you get the idea that there's like 50 people watching them. <laughs> you know, like you hear actors talk about like how sex scenes are like massively not sexy. Yeah. Because there's a whole crew watching you. Mm. And people are like, oh, you got to like you know, fake bone that's like, hot girl. It's like, yeah, well, like 50 people watched and I had to wear, like, the tightest underwear to make it seem like I was
1: naked. That scene alone makes this, like, part of Schlocktoberfest for me.
0: So the only spell that she doesn't use for direct personal gain is that she makes a voodoo doll of her dick English teacher.
1: Right, Mr. Weaver.
0: Uh, And in this instance, like, the voodoo doll... Like, if she makes the voodoo doll dance, then he dances. Right. So, like, he takes, or she takes off the clothes of the voodoo doll, and, like, he takes off his clothes in real time. Indeed, yeah. So, question number three. Oh, no! In You Wanna Be a Teen Witch. (laughs) Who would you make a voodoo doll of?
1: Oh, boy. Make one. You only make one. Yeah. The bunk powers. I don't know if I want to be a teen witch.
0: There's no shitty teacher from high school you use it on, or let's see, let's see. bully, or bitchy
1: girl, or Fred Durst. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was this one guy who locked me in a band locker in junior no. high. Oh, <laughs> And um, also I saw him beat up another kid at one point so I'd do it on him I don't remember his name
0: What was his motivation for putting you on a band blocker? I think he was just a jerk
1: You don't think it was repressed homosexuality? No and it was uh, this is so embarrassing this was partially self-inflicted because they said can you fit in there? and I was like I don't know. And they said, do it, get in there. It's like, I don't want to do it. So I did. And then they locked me in there and then walked away. <laughs>
0: right, right.
1: Yeah, it was rough. They came right back and let me out, but uh, it was embarrassing. So yeah, I would make him take off his clothes and walk through a car wash. Is that the right answer? Yeah. OK. <laughs>
0: you are a teen witch. Yes. <laughs>
1: It's uh, a little more empty than I thought it would be. But. Yeah, it's not like Zelda Rubenstein said about the uh, popularity spell where she said, Make them respect you. It'll be fun. She is not the angel on her shoulder. She is the devil on her shoulder. And I kind of like it. I kind of thought she was like, maybe it
0: was just that Zelda Rubenstein was like phoning in and at this point she's like cashing in on that sweet poltergeist money. And she's like, what am I... Fortune teller? Okay, I got it.
1: No, I don't need anything else. <laughs> Can we do all my seats in one day? <laughs> yeah. That'd be great. So, look. I don't like this movie, full disclosure. I kind of wanted to watch it again out of a uh, bizarre, masochistic streak. <laughs> that and... That he picks up from your gym teacher. <laughs> it has roots in in high school. Here's the thing. We're following around a main character who happens to be a redhead. And her main motivation (laughs) is manipulation and sex. And uh, she really comes across in the end as the bad guy because she dismisses her cool friend. She, uh... I mean,
0: the film definitely sees
1: her as still the the hero or heroine of our story. Right. But I don't buy it for a second. (laughs) Yeah, no. That ending is awful. Mm -hmm. She is an awful person by the end of this movie. It's like, she's the mean girl and Mean Girls at this point. The lesson here is... But she's celebrated for it. You know, be popular by any means necessary. (laughs) And get that guy. And so I think it's just the epitome of Hollywood's redhead problem right here. <laughs> it's horrific. Is that why you chose this? No, but I realized watching it this time that it's a it's a problematic part. I mean, honestly, you could also make an analyzation of this movie that like, what's more terrifying than a woman with ambitions? I was like, gonna say a redhead with Because. <laughs> <one. laughs> You know, she's pretty cutthroat and she gets what she wants in the end, which is Brad. So which is why I think this movie fits in well with our horror thing we've been doing.
0: Well, I mean, with the redhead is terrifying to me. <laughs>
1: But I appreciate you being game for it. It was shorter than tipping the velvet, so (laughs) you're excused. I don't have any last thoughts except for the fact that I'm really glad that at one point Polly says,
0: Jeez Louise.
1: Which I was like, fingers crossed for. And it came, so it's great. What's next, Matt?
0: Next week, we will be discussing a movie that, uh,. Encompasses both the highs and lows in horror. Okay. I don't know if you've seen it. I've, I've never, I don't think I've ever talked to you about this movie. Mm-hmm. Alien horror movie. Okay. Xtro. No, I've never. X T R O. Okay. X rated does Xtro. <laughs> yeah. So mid eighties alien horror movie. Excellent.
1: <laughs> I'm excited for it. You could even say I'm extra excited since it's our last hex-rated Please.
0: Alright, calm down now. <laughs> Subtle. Plug our junk?
1: Let's plug our junk.
0: Subscribe and rate review on iTunes. X-rated movies It's the best way to get the word out there and to get other people to know about this podcast. Yeah,
1: make us the most popular podcast in yeah, this world. about this American life. <laughs> we know you can do it, listeners. We're also on Twitter if you want to yap at us about whether Brad's hot or not. And our handle there is at movies.
0: Follow us on Facebook. Uh, it's the best way to know,
1: like, what's happening next. At next. Rated X. <laughs> at rated X movies. If you are, say, I don't know, a Hulu advertising exec and want to contact us about plugging your service on our podcast, that email address is x.rated.movies at gmail.com.
0: Tune in next week
1: for Extra Next Week Goodbye